Get your water. <sighs> no, chew on a cough drop here. I'll let you do the vast majority of the speaking on this because I, I should let you talk more. I get very no, subconscious. It's about. it's cool. I don't. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Been practicing that. Welcome to the Poor Sports Podcast. Today we talked about many things. We went Mm -hmm. off the rails for a while. We uh, talked about Kanye West for some reason. We talked about Spokane and the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the Zags. Go Zags. Oh, fuck the Zags. Even though we don't like the Zags. I gotta stop swearing in the intro. Even when I'm not talking, I'm swearing. (laughs) I don't think Uh, you swore the entire podcast and you wait until the intro. I definitely swore the podcast. To destroy the algorithm. I don't don't want to have our loyal listeners think that i didn't swear in the podcast it was very clean this episode there was no drinking and no swearing i know no clothes also jason Siegel's penis was searched yes you can figure out what that's all about <laughs> and it's been on the screen the whole time <laughs> it's just been sitting up there <clears throat> staring at us uh we talked about lamar jackson a little bit and just yeah. the nfl stigma around potential for collusion yeah and uh, of course, we finished with the home run game, which it was uh, it was a barn burner this week. It was it was, it was a big one. It, it was, was a, some some uh, season altering scores got put up. You have to stay tuned for that because it was that exciting. Yeah, follow me at the Casey McLean stand up comedy dates all over the place. Uh, sorry for my voice. June twenty fifth, Tacoma Comedy Club. That's the big one. Headlining last headlining show I'll do before we have our second child, and. Uh, We'll see if the podcast survives. <laughs> <laughs> I might just keep showing up at your house once. Yeah, week. that's good. I, I podcast might need or not, it. yeah, I'll just be here. We won't even put the mics out. I'll just talk to someone who's <laughs> over the age of five. Uh, and you can find me at Alex SSN. All right. <laughs> oh boy, it is the Poor Sports Podcast. We're back. I almost uh, said the name of my other podcast. How do you and keep track? It's hard. And the, the ones that I've done and that have failed, yeah, it's just an innumerable, innumerable amount of podcasts. Yeah, you're like, a, you're like a job hopper, you know, people that switch careers every year, except yeah. it's podcasts for you. Right, exactly. And uh, similarly, people look down on you for doing that. Really? Uh, people are not thrilled that I keep making podcasts. Like, the, the public isn't constantly crying out for more. Also, by the <laughs> way, obviously my voice is still fucked up. This is actually... Feels better, maybe sounds worse. I've had a weird experience with this. Lost it sounds about the same, I would say, as, <clears throat> as it did last week to me. Okay, but you're also on week two of having yeah. a shot voice, which yeah is not good. I've had these like weird stretches where it sounds perfect. Yeah, and then today there's been like there was like 15 minutes where it sounded perfect, and uh, so last week I felt like I sounded like Trump in my. And this week I feel like Pam Adlon. If you're not familiar, she was she was on uh, Californication. Sure, there we go. That was, that was yeah, not the do. reference I would have made. But I have a little Pam Adlon <laughs> thing going on, huh? Yeah, she was. Uh, I believe she does the voice for Bobby Hill, also. Yeah, she's definitely like a talented uh, voice actress. But Californication is the only thing I've ever seen her in. She was uh, Louis' wife in Lucky Louis on HBO, and then okay. was his. Love interest in Louis on FX. Interesting. Louis C.K. Yeah. Not Louis Anderson. Did you ever watch California Gation? I never did. That's David Duchovny. It's a pretty good show. It's, uh, Is it? Should we watch a, the whole series yeah, right now? Yeah, let's just watch it We don't right have a lot now. on the list today, so we could just <laughs> we really 
fill some time by watching. I think you would series. like it because it's a, he's a writer, so he's like and okay, he, and he like dabbles in all sorts. So he's like a like a Rolling Stone magazine <clears throat> type writer. I feel like this might be one of those things though, like people do where they're like, "Well, you like you." God, see, I really am. I really, it's like cracking. <laughs> it's like it wants to crack, but it can't quite crack. So I become Pam Adlon. It's gonna ruin I, your falsetto. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's where people are like, you like IPAs, and then they buy you like a, a eight by ten foot poster that's IPA, yeah. and you're like, this is a lot to look at. Yeah, because I liked IPAs. <laughs> He's a writer. You might like this shows. It's a comedy, right? It's a it's a comedy. Uh, gratuitous nudity. Oh, I'm in. And it's from the early 2000s, so the nudity is heavily on the women's side. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah, dude. I watched. Uh, are you a Jackass fan? Uh, I've watched Jackass, oh, but I'm not crazy. like a huge, I'm not like a huge Jackass. God, you're such watcher. like a you're such like a fucking I don't know I don't even know how to because you're like you like top forty music, you like sitcoms on reality TV. Yeah, but Jackass is like a bridge too far. It's not I, it's not that I dislike it. I um uh, that bad grandpa movie mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that, and I used to watch like episodes <clears throat> of Jackass. Do you need a plot? Is that why you like Bad Grandpa better? You think? I think so. I'm not okay. the t- like uh, like shows like Impractical Jokers. Like they just don't really sure. do it for me. You know, Punked I think was one of the ones that first started that whole yeah. kind of genre. But like those types of shows, yeah, I need like a storyline to follow. Well, I think if we're all being honest, I think Candid Camera did it before any yeah. of them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so Jackass Forever. Did you see it? The one that came out no, in the pandemic? I did not. Okay, there's a. Uh, it's I believe they said it's got the most dicks in it of any of the jackass movies not to not to sell you too hard on this now i'm gonna go out and watch it yeah um but jackass 4.5 because that this is like if you haven't watched jackass you might not even realize they put out a 0.5 version that's like a little it's like one quarter documentary and then three quarters like lost footage that they didn't weren't able to include it and it's i can't even count how many times i saw a penis on (laughs) 4.5 there's so many it's we've, what the people want, man. We've gone full circle on on uh, televised nudity. They want the dicks. They want the dicks. Did you um, see Forgetting Sarah Marshall? I, I did see Forgetting yeah, Sarah my, Marshall. Most, I feel like most people have that. I'll, I'll never forget being in the theater, seeing that movie, and you know, it's like the first five minutes. Jason Segel drops his towel and yeah. exposes his penis, and I'll never forget because, like, you didn't see. It. No one saw it coming. And right. like it was just all these audible gasps. <laughs> I, I just in typed theaters. in Jason Siegel penis, uh, <laughs> and uh, not is an it his real penis? Mode. Yeah, it's his, I believe it's his real penis. Yeah, that's it's, uh, it's the funniest possible thing to do is to show your dick for comedy. Yeah, no, like, he did it, man. He he just went for it, and it happened out of nowhere. And the other, obviously, the other unforgettable one, and I don't know if it is his real penis. If it is, that's unfortunate. But Ken Jong in The Hangover. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. I feel like uh, they should have done something for the stereotypes that exist, given the man a prosthetic or something like this. Like let's let's fucking. I agree. It would have it would have been a better character arc that no one saw coming. Yeah, I think we could have stopped Asian hate right there. To be honest with you, if we would have just built. Ken Jung up a little bit. A strong you know? medium. 
Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, let's not let's not put him too far above average. But, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, the, the other, uh, maybe like a little bit of Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. I think I, yeah. there's like a raspiness. Uh, see, it's like a little sexy, high pitched raspiness that I can't. I mean, you I'm could, you turning do, myself on. You could do voiceover work right now. You'd have to stay in this mode. Yeah, it's got. I got about forty five more minutes to do voiceover, and then it's going to either get worse or better. And yeah. I'm out of my sweet. You kind of sound like a strip club announcer. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I might just be trying to get like deep enough to not hit that high pitched thing because it's like, yeah. Yeah. You sound like you're going to call someone <clears> on the main <throat> stage. I, t- <laughs> I am Jason Siegel and Ken Joe together, <laughs> dueling, uh, dueling penises. Uh, the other thing about, I never know. Do you remember a couple of years ago? When uh, Russell Wilson was on like the cover of I think Sports Illustrated and had the like yeah. Oh, yeah. obvious cock imprint yeah, and then everybody had an opinion and I'm like I don't know like people are like whoa big dick and other people are like that's a tiny dick and I was like I guess I don't know <laughs> what a limp dick it looked like a normal sized limp dick to me and I felt like there was a lot of like a lot of commentary on it well, people had opinions uh, most women seem to like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time studying the dicks. Yeah. But, uh. Not in that state. I need them hard. When I was at, when I was at UW, uh, the UW IMA, which is the gym for students, uh, like alumni who are like, like the boosters and stuff can basically all go there. Sure. Like pay their way. And that locker room is just notorious. Like everybody hears about old guys in locker rooms walking around just parts out. You know, not a care in the world. That might be the epitome of one of those places because you have this kind of weird juxtaposition of like all these college age dudes who are students. And then you Mm -hmm. have all these like real old guys who pay lots of money to the university for this right to be able to use this gym that are just dicks out everywhere. And you see a whole lot of dicks. It is kind of fucked up that you get to see like peak dick. And Valley Dick all in the same, you know what I mean? Like, like it's uh, that dicks at their absolute prime and yeah. then dicks 60 years later. <laughs> it's when was the last time? Have you ever seen someone naked in public? At a, like, I've been to like the Solstice Parade in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. That's a different thing. I mean, like. That's art. Yeah, that's art. You can well, get as naked as you want. <clears throat> it's also like a community event where like, yeah. I remember when I moved to Tacoma, I went to the post office. And there was just a woman naked a block away. And I'm standing outside and there's like three dudes that are like, hey, 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 naked lady. To me, I was like, oh, we're all in on this. This is awesome. We're all watching. It's a spectator sport at that point if you see someone running down the street naked. Yeah. And you watch, you look and it's like not even, I would say, like an appealing. No, it's not. It's never appealing. I, oh, this thing reset. Now I get why it did that. God damn it, this fucking thing. Um, (laughs) Well, I I have a solution to edit. Uh, is it good to comment on the failures of the technology while we're... There's a lot of technology in here. When, you I know. know. It's a surprising amount. I did get to talk to a buddy of mine about how to set up a podcast, and I was like, you've come to the right man. If uh, you don't know how to set up a podcast, I, I don't made, know who I've, anyone could... I've turn. made every mistake possible. You could literally create a business of teaching people how to do podcasts and probably make decent money. Make way more money than I have doing podcasts. You could no like doubt. create your own little enterprise of being a podcast teacher. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, uh, something to how, pursue how in much your free money. time. Yes, I know I have tons <laughs> of it uh, and I'm b- about to have a lot more of it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, especially uh, now. Uh, we so 
Why, why were we talking about dicks? Oh, so what, have you seen someone in public naked? Has that happened uh, to you? I'm sure I have. Um, it didn't make an indelible mark on your brain, though? No. I mean, I've been to a nude beach before, so yeah, I've definitely seen it. Were you it. naked on that beach? <laughs> no. It oh, was, okay. it's, it was uh, we were on a cruise, and it was one gotcha. of the islands that we went to. And literally, there's like this thin rope, you know, like just a thin wow. like rope that divides nude beach from normal beach. And once you cross over that rope... People can be naked, but I mean, you can yeah. see, I mean, it's a beach, so you could be on the clothed side and still see these people walking around naked. Isn't it, it's a little strange that that's like legal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't it a little? It's a little weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if you were worried about that sort of thing in the clothes section, you would just move as far away from that. Yeah. I mean, I'm no prude and I'm also not like, if you're worried about it, don't take your kids to yeah. that beach or a beach that's with, with an eye shop, but most people at the nude beaches, though, they don't look like normal people. I mean, yeah. there's no easy way to say Sure. It. They have- Well, that uh, might actually be the problem. They might look too much like normal people. Well, like yeah. I mean, like, yeah, they're not, um, they're not Greek gods or sure. goddesses. They are uh, usually older, but it's like the, it's the brown, tan, like baseball mitt skin that oh, really yeah. like, sets them apart. Like, parts are sagging all over the place, but when you get that leathery- you get like the that freckles, the, the oh, that leathery skin. You're like, God, how are you still alive? Like, yeah, you look like beef jerky. <laughs> did you ever do a tanning bed? I never have. I'm not. Oh, I have. Yes, you did for what? Uh, well, I back in the day was a Planet Fitness member, and <laughs> one of the perks that you get in your uh, that ten dollar monthly Planet Fitness membership probably not a tanning bed you want to use. Sure, but I did use it. Yeah, uh, I just had I had to see. You know, and I also uh, people who can who actually watch the video feed can tell that I'm pretty pale. Yeah. But in the summertime, I get really friggin dark. Interesting. Uh, my skin tone varies quite a bit. And and uh, generally I look worse when I'm pale. So. OK, so Not, this is you at your worst. We've gotten you this is, entire. Yeah. It's only going to get better from here. So you might as well stick it out. I'm like the I'm like the weather. You know, yeah. As, as we get close to the summer, I also get better. You're gonna go from like Walmart Bird Crasher <laughs> to Walmart Brendan Chop. Yeah. In one sure. in one season of a podcast. Yeah, we could do it. It's possible. Um <laughs> So yeah, this voice thing's bothering me. I told you off the podcast, but I was golfing all day and I'm like on Friday. Not yeah. all day. And the weather wasn't great. Weather wasn't great, but I'm like I was like struggling and then I'm halfway through a beer at and I'm like <gasps> like it's, I'm not. It's not like I'm throwing up. I'm like, <laughs> you know, fighting through this, and then I go, <clears throat> and then it's like I turn into fucking Morgan Freeman, and yeah. I'm like perfectly. You got a nice baritone. Yeah, and then I'm like back. You know, it's it's just so frustrating. It reminds me a little bit of. Uh, have you had your tonsils removed? No, not I got that a, I know of. It's possible yeah. though. <laughs> like because you've been to Mexico and woken up with. with I don't like know what people do to me when I'm sleeping. I try not to ask questions. I have a joke about this, but I uh, when I went in to get my tonsils removed, like the intake nurse before the surgery is yeah. like, do you know, have you decided how you're going to deal with this surgery emotionally? And I'm like, <laughs> you stupid fucking lady. Like, I, what, it's like, oh, have you given tonsils to get out of here get a counselor? <laughs> and then like day four, I was like back to eating solid food. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm a man. And then you regress. There's like, a, yeah. it's everybody, ha it happens to everybody, I guess. You get so much better really quickly, and then you regress. And around day seven, yeah, is like 
people commit suicide. It's fucked up. Do you really feel that bad? Like, does your or you, how, do, how do you feel? It's like you haven't had solid. F- so you go from like days one through three. Yeah. Uh, no solid food. Yeah. Day four, you're like, it's the first. Like, I had a uh, risotto, which is like not. Yeah. It's I'm not eating fucking steak or right. crackers or anything like that. But I was like, it's like, it's feels substantive. You know, yeah. I feel like finally I feel full and I'm. And then you like, I mean, literally, I would have to. Um, I would have to, so I did this like two years ago. So it's also much worse oh, in your Jesus. 30s. Yeah. 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 I would take like the maximum dose of liquid <laughs> ibuprofen. I would wait till it kicked in. I would drink a like 30 ounce milkshake as quickly as I could. Cause that's like all I could handle. Yeah. And it had to be like at the peak effectiveness of the ibuprofen. Yeah. It hurt to swallow water. Yeah. That's not good. It hurt to like. And it was like that kind of hurt where it's like it aches. Like yeah. it feels like it's weighing, the pain is weighing yeah. you down. And uh, yeah, around day seven, people have like a big emotional crisis sometimes. And I was like, wow. oh, I, I, my joke in the joke, I never give this lady any credit. But the reality is, is like you're you're like struck. And I'm like, dude, I haven't done stand up since fucking, not since last episode. Like I, I can't trust that if I go to a show, I don't want to go sound like this. You know what I mean? And I and I I've what had if people moments, like it better. Then you got to stay with like this. I know that I got to like start smoking again or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's like it's uh it's been like harder than I thought. Yeah, it, you're like I used to get sore throats a lot because my tonsils were so fucked up. I had my tonsils were three times the normal size. Giant. That's exactly what you want to have three times the normal that's, size. I know. Like, that's I want that to be my cock imprint, <laughs> not my throat imprint. Of you know. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> all this from Jason Siegel's dick. Wow, what a what we an got a lot. Team. It was a hot start. We came in hot. What an Did you bring a beer up here with you? To, no, to well, that's calm? the other, okay, that's, that's the other problem too, for for my throat. For your voice, I, uh, yeah, that's what I was. I'm you. taking so much ibuprofen right now that I like don't want to. It's yeah. the rational decision. I didn't even offer you whiskey. Would you like some whiskey? Uh, I'll, I'll have some if you are, but if not, I'm not going to have any. That's what then I'm saying. I'm, okay, I'm, what a I'm team good. player. I'm good. I am a team player. Um, all right. So we have some topics written down and I'm glad that I'm using what sounds like an obscured voice to do this first one because our pal Kanye West has returned. He's back, baby. I briefly saw something about this. This is okay. So Kanye West very obviously going through like a mental breakdown. It's he, it's coincided with Antonio Brown very well. Yes, the two of them seem to f- have fallen off the deep end around the same time. Yeah, Antonio Brown though significantly less anti-Semitic in his departure yeah. from. He's sanity. he's actually crazy. <laughs> like yeah. his craziness is it knows no bounds. Whereas Kanye's craziness seems to be very targeted. Well, you know the targeted. thing. I, the thing I think that's different between those two guys is I think Kanye is genuinely an incredibly intelligent dude, and I think that Antonio Brown is maybe not as intelligent as Kanye. That's very true. <clears throat> yes, but so Kanye West, uh, I thought it started out like kind of funny, like his he goes off his pills a couple of years ago. I think he's. These like manic episodes, he would say like wild fun shit. He made, I, I actually will admit, I haven't liked his music since graduation. Like, nothing has really connected with me since graduation, and that's just an age thing. Yeah, I think the the mid two thousands Kanye West music was, like, you know, when the world revolted against Kanye West. It's not like anybody out there was going through their Spotify 
and taking his music off there. Now there were probably were the same people that would go burn an NBA player's jersey because he signed with a different team are probably the same ones who would cut out all their favorite oh, sure. Kanye West songs. So yeah, that's know? the question. That's a question for you. Is like, have you had an artist? Maybe Kanye is the guy because you're a top forty guy. But have you had an artist <laughs> like? Are you still playing Michael Jackson at the Akita yeah. household? Okay. Dude, I still got R. Kelly, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. This is, wow, I did not realize the... And I don't condone what these guys did, sure. but, I mean, if they're hits, they're hits. Yeah. Wow. So, you're that committed to the hits. <laughs> not is that. that. It's not like, I'm not like, uh, I didn't, like, I didn't delete it off my liked songs. Gotcha. But I'm not going down the street, bumping the remix to Ignition yeah. to let everyone know. Uh, yeah, when it comes on, you turn it down, but oh, still kind of like, you know, bob your head a little I bit. I don't believe I can fly. <laughs> I, uh, I've had this experience. Louis C.K. is like my favorite comedian ever. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pressure. I did a lot of research on the Louis C.K. thing to make sure I could still consume his comedy. I'm like a defense attorney in his case. Now, not to say that I, I think what he did was like, Great. I'm not saying speaking that. Speaking of dicks, yeah. Yeah, speaking of dicks. Speaking <laughs> of super impressive, I'm sure, dicks. He has described it in great detail in a way that makes me not think that it was incredibly impressive. But uh, I know a lot about it. We could argue. If it, anyone wants to argue about it, I can, I guarantee you you haven't read or listened to as much shit about it as I have. Uh, I will say I tried to listen to this uh, radio series called Unmasked with Ron Bennington where he interviews comedians and he, one, I mean, one of the greatest episodes of it ever is the Louis CK episode. And I was, I listened to the Louis CK episode and it was like so meaningful to me to hear him talk about comedy in the way that he did back then. Yeah. This is a uh, pre-conflict and he was just talking about like how, like the reason he works hard and all that stuff. And, um, then I was like, what well, can I, could I listen to Cosby? Could I listen to a Cosby? And this is like, by the way, I had actually heard the Cosby allegations before Hannibal Burris brought them, but I was like, I don't know what the truth is to this. Yeah. Or like, obviously, I don't think any of us, we didn't know the depth or the breadth of these yeah. accusations, right? And um, I put it on, man, and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I made it like, the moment he started to become like the moral arbiter. Cosby, yeah. Yeah, it was that, like, that, fuck that, you, dude. You the, are a I fucking, mean, the biggest... Rapist in the history of America, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> Cosby as a comedian, I never found his comedy that funny. Gotcha. What? I, I, because it was it was for a generation that wasn't ours. Yeah. You know, it was for probably two generations above us, really. I mean, that's yeah. when he got his start. And yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys who his comedy was very preachy, very sure. very holier than thou. Well, or, he as a he person was, was very preachy too. Yeah, and it's like that can work in comedy if you do it right, but it works better on a sitcom. That's yeah. probably why that TV show was so popular. Well, I mean, his he was a super famous comedian. I, I yeah. bet you he could still, I mean, there's enough people that I think find, like, the whatever, they want him to be innocent bad enough or whatever the thing yeah. is, that um, he could probably still sell a lot of tickets. He was selling out shows like crazy before. I, uh, I saw the other day, I saw somebody tweet, it just a tweet that popped up on my timeline for somehow and it had a screenshot of the Cosby show and they were watching it on some TV station. I can't remember what station it was, but like th it's back. Oh, really? <laughs> it's back. This is the first sign I'd ever <clears throat> seen because like when all this stuff went down with Cosby and he went on trial for all of that stuff. Yeah. 
the show was gone. I mean, and that was one of those shows. It was like Seinfeld. It was everywhere for the longest right. time. You could change to any of those syndicated cable channels and find yeah. it. Yeah, probably much probably anywhere. actually on more stations than Seinfeld because I felt like yeah. it had a non-exclusive it syndication. But yeah, then it was gone, and it was just like a weird thing to see <laughs> that you can actually go yeah. back and watch that show now. Yeah, it's well, and obviously what he did is like horrendous, and it's yeah. also crazy to me that like. Louis has ever been included in the same conversation as him or like Harvey Weinstein or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something, it has something to do with like, they all kind of occurred around the same time, right? Like all, all, all it all came crashing down. Yeah. I get that. But it's like, yes, they're, but they're all like faces of the me too movement. Yeah. But you're like, it's, they're very different. Obviously these are very different crimes, Yeah, but uh, my, I'm, I'm, that's interesting to me that you're like R. Kelly. Cause when I, when Kanye <laughs> comes on the first time I was like, am I going to be cool with this? And then I was like, I fucking love this song. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I, the, the old stuff is good. The old, yeah. like the, the, the nice thing is most of his new stuff <clears throat> sucks. So, you know, you, know? <laughs> you and I are just old men in that opinion though, because I agree with you, but it's like not, I think that the youth prefer the new stuff which is insane to me it's a, yeah he's adjusted his style to how the music has adjusted you know temporarily well, he's kind of like pushed it too yeah and he's then also a- like dude i'm really big into sneakers and his deal with adidas was one of the biggest things it's he single-handedly saved the adidas brand did did you own any of those shoes ever no I didn't own any Yeezys because, first of all, they <clears throat> are really pricey. Like, yeah, you can get like comparable sneakers that, like, I I will actually buy and resell sneakers. I've been doing it for like God, twenty this years. Guy. I know, but I like sneakers too. Yeah, and uh, there was not a lot of value in Yeezys because they cost like two twenty retail. Yeah. So then, you know, if you're flipping them and making like a hundred bucks on it, it's like hardly worth it. It's and a lot of risk. It's a lot. It's just, yeah, it's, sure. a, it's a, it's not a great investment basically, so, but it saved the brand. So he was a big deal. There. It seems you're a sneaker guy. So maybe this will, it seems like he, and not to invoke the name of your, your most recent podcast, but <laughs> it's like he popularized completely athleisure shoes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it really, like, that look, it started with Adidas. And I remember talking to a guy, like a friend of a friend one time, we were, like, hanging out, and he was, like, pretty high up at Nike. And we were just having conversations about how Adidas had forced Nike to just, like, completely shift their direction. Gotcha. That's super impactful, like, because Nike never, (coughs) Nike is usually the trendsetter, right? Right. In, In sneakers. And they had to change... Their entire, they had to do a pivot because of Kanye West and Adidas. So it's just That's a, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think how much influence that one person had. So now that we've gotten to this point with him where he, he really, you know, mental health aside, he really got big, like yeah. even bigger than he was before in like a very short period of time, five-year period or so. When the Adidas thing took off and he's still making music, you know, he's losing his mind running for president or whatever yeah. but all of that stuff kind of coincided it was the perfect storm yeah well and he, he i remember hearing him on joe rogan and i had uh monica nevy uh mm-hmm. friend of the podcast monica nevy on my other podcast nobody likes casey mcclain second mention of the <laughs> i think i mentioned it earlier uh good cross promotion <clears throat> and we talked about when he was on the joe rogan podcast because i don't really i'm not like a religious listener to that i'll listen when he has comics i like on or yeah. When he had Kanye on, like, I think Kanye is maybe the most interesting guy of our generation. And 
So this is like pre-anti-Semitism. And you listen to him and you're like, there's plenty of stuff here I disagree with. But when this dude is like, I should be president, I'm like, I mean, I don't fucking like any of the people that are running for president. So why? Why? Because I disagree with you on a couple things. And then now you're like, fuck, that would have been horrible. <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been really bad. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's it's he's a tough guy to talk about, you know, at times because I think for especially for our generation, 20 years ago when he first became popular, we were in that impressionable state in our life where music really hits you and it means something. And a lot of those songs that came out back then were just they were so like they were such big hits that no one was going to avoid them anyway. You were going to like them whether you liked it or not, because it was everywhere. And uh, and and then to have it all just, you know, for him to have like a meteoric rise and then an amazing fall at his own of his own creation. You know, unlike a lot of these other guys that have, you know, trials and tribulations that lead to their downfall. This was all his own doing. I feel like he did kind of take the entire hit for anti-Semitism and hip hop, though. Like there's a lot of people like Ice Cube who's like doing fucking kids movies now who was, like, a member of the Nation of Islam. There's, like, Nation of Islam, by the way, being the organization that Louis Farrakhan... uh, Like, these are people who are at least adjacent to anti-Semitism, and Kanye is the guy. They went after Kanye instead of, like, many of the institutional rappers that were also... Like, Nick Cannon, like we were talking about. Nick Cannon has gotten a free pass... And Kanye had Nick Nick Cannon, the very famous rapper, <laughs> has gotten a pass, and Kanye took all the shit. You know. Yeah, I, I you think you moved your mic. Like, I, would, am I doing something wrong? No, I no, I just wanted mic? to lean back. I was all like, right, right. yes, yeah, I'll be honest. Yesterday, I raked leaves for like ninety minutes, and I woke up this morning feeling like I got hit by a truck. So I cannot. <clears throat> I got. <laughs> yeah. If I stand up and start doing stretches in the middle of this, that's why. What is your least favorite thing about being a homeowner? Because when you and I met, we both lived in apartments, and now we're both homeowners with wives. Yeah. God, what is my least favorite thing? Probably just the unexpected breakages of things. Like, right now, we have a leaning fence. That sucks. Because, like, today was very windy. Yeah. So, every time we have a windy-ass day, I just keep expecting to hear a fence come crashing down. Yeah. You know? And that's not a, that's not a cheap thing. Like, it's annoying to go out and rake leaves or whatever, but doesn't bother me that much it's the the unexpected fixes that you you don't have someone there to take care of yeah you. i'm a little lucky my dad is a uh, remodel was a remodel contractor. he's still alive I've done this he was still alive he's just <laughs> not a remodel contractor he's retired yeah. yeah um but he like specifically turned to the century houses so my house is like in his wheelhouse of shit so That's perfect we actually he was the first ha- we had a saga getting our house but he looked at like the inspection record on our house yeah when the inspector sent it and he's like yeah that's a good you're gonna be fine yeah for a while but there's stuff like our uh furnace was making a noise for a while mm-hmm. and it's like fuck i guess i'm i had to fix my garage door the other day never yeah. fixed a garage door in my life i don't know how people right. live before youtube <clears throat> by the way you you become very handy without knowing that you're handy mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically how it's like how when you're a kid, all dads are handy and you're like, yeah. how? And it's like because they owned a home. <laughs> they had to. I be. know. They all bought it in their early 20s. Yeah, like, it's we, a little different for us. 30s. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different for our generation. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's that's uh that's a rough one. I think uh dealing with like I never have had plunged a sink. You ever have you plunged a sink at your uh... I have the uh you should invest in the drain weasel. Okay. I'll it's look like, it up. It's like a it's like an ad scene on TV type product, but you can buy it on Amazon very cheap. It's like this tiny little brush that goes sticks all the way down your drain. Oh, I think you, I I bought one of these. You kind of and... crank it and then so everything goes that's pretty pretty awesome the people that lived in our house before i think that the woman or the man it's 2023 i can't i can't a lot of hair huh? wore so much makeup oh okay that there was like a our just sink would just constantly back up our bathroom yeah. sink and dude i hit i plunged it yeah and like caked makeup came back up and i my wife doesn't wear a lot of makeup gross I almost, I, dude, it takes a lot. I cleaned a couple <laughs> nights ago. My daughter vomited into a bucket of toys of hers. Yeah. I emptied the bucket and cleaned every toy, never gagged once. For me to gag takes a lot. <laughs> Don't, nobody edit this together with all that dick conversation earlier, please. But <laughs> we've just, it's been a lot. Uh, dude, that like old makeup coming up out of that sink. Oh, my God. I almost puked on top of it. It's gross, man. Anytime you're doing anything with a drain or sink, and you don't know what's what all that stuff is. Yeah. It's disgusting. Have you pulled your uh, wife's hair out of the, like, shower drain? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did uh, it, like, a week ago, in what fact. A brutal, what a brutal endeavor. It's not great. Um, I take it and show her. Of course. <laughs> you you gotta must. Be like, Look. You must. It's like a... It's like a yeah. Like a dog bringing a or a cat yeah. bringing a mouse to the front yeah. door. It's and I don't have hair, so I mean, it's like we know this Only is all coming from one source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and well, and also it's like, it's like three feet long. Yeah. There's no way. But you know, and when I was living in an apartment previously, the shower drain would back up sometimes, <clears throat> and I would clean it out. Yeah, and it's hair from the people who lived there previously. It's hair from all walks of life. That's gotcha. disgusting. Well, how do you, why would you think that's true in an apartment, but not in a house? No, it could definitely be the case in a house too. Okay. It's just, uh, there were probably more people cycling through that apartment. Gotcha. Than that's fair. This that's house. Fair. Yeah. It's a greater variety, but not no difference in volume. No, no, it's all bad. It's all bad. So anyways, Kanye's back, baby. <laughs> back <to> Kanye. yeah. <laughs> we really veered off course there, but Con we found our Kanye way. Kanye has been cured of his anti-Semitism. The great Kanye West has been cured of his anti-Semitism. <laughs> Thanks to Jonah Hill. Yeah, watching Jonah Hill. Here, you. I want you to read it. Well, not because I want you I'll to read it. It's just because of my voice. Your voice, voice is sucks. shot. Yeah. Here's what Kanye had to say. The picture on Instagram is just the movie poster of 21 Jump Street, which... Frankly, if you haven't seen 21 Jump Street, you haven't lived because I haven't it is, lived. I haven't seen You haven't it. seen it? I remain an anti-Semite apparently because uh, it's one of the great comedies of whatever year it came out. <laughs> 2010 maybe, somewhere around there. Anyway, this is what Kanye had to say. Watching Jonah Hill in 21 Jump Street made me like Jewish people again. End of sentence. New paragraph. <laughs> no one should take anger against one or two individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people. Another new paragraph. This next sentence I'd like you to read exactly as it's written. This please. is exactly verbatim, okay? No Christian no Christian can be labeled anti Semite knowing Jesus is Jew. Yeah. It's like a really bad like like a child wrote that. This sentence. is a thing that he has persisted in doing. The Jesus is Jew, not Jewish, not a Jew. So Jesus does he is like Jew. rank the level of Judaism? It's like the, yeah, it's <laughs> I. 
I mean, good for you. Whatever it's got to be, you know, that gets you, that pulls you out of the mire of anti-Semitism. But he does say, "Thank you, Jonah Hill. I love you." Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. And then How, uh, did Jonah Hill respond to this in any way? Do we know? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, this comedian that I'm friends with on the internet, Black Stever, when he calls himself Elon Stribling, <laughs> is his name. He said, uh, wait until you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, which, boy, <laughs> do I agree. And that might make him hate Jews again, to be honest with you. If he didn't like him before, I don't know that that's going to... I don't understand what about Joe... Now, having seen the movie 21 Jump Street, I wouldn't... Would you even <coughs> know? I guess maybe... They, I haven't seen it, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think like if they allude to Jonah Hill's character being Jewish. Maybe they do. I don't recall. Maybe. But... I, hey, man, whatever it takes, I guess. Yeah, any port in a storm, any Jew in a storm of anti-Semitism, I the, suppose. The amazing thing about this post, and I get Kanye West has an amazing following. But sure. Over three million likes on this. That's incredible. Including another comedian, by the way, Willie Dean Sucks, who is uh, <laughs> Willie Dean, a comedian in the Tacoma. He's a newer comic in the Tacoma in the All Tacoma right. scene. Um. Willie Dean Sucks is a frequent liker of Kanye West's. Uh, Just anything? I, I kind of wonder if he's liking it for the right reasons or Oof. not, you know? It's bad. Do you have yeah. a water? Do you need a water? No, I got a water right here. It's hiding. Does it have ice in it this week? Oh, it does. There's like man. a little oh, bit left over. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I guess Kanye's back. I, Adidas. The, call up Adidas. The, well, I is don't the know. Is Adidas if, still dead? It's dead, but there's been speculation that it might. Adidas has all this product left over right. from Kanye's, you know, being with them, and uh, they can't move it. They don't know what to do. There was talk for a while that they were just going to <clears throat> rebrand it with a different name and sell it. Sure. But they must have gotten some feedback that that wasn't going to go well. I heard some rumors that they might lose like a billion dollars They are as a result of this. It's you don't realize how much of a following one person has until something <laughs> until something like that yeah. occurs. So first off, probably will change the way that Adidas handles brand deals in the future, I would imagine. Yeah, I would think so. I though <laughs> though I disagree with his anti Semitism, obviously, and you have to say this in twenty twenty three. There's a part of me that having fuck you money and using it to say fuck you is the point of having fuck you money yeah you got it see here's the thing though and i this is uh i think dave Chappelle mentioned this many times in his past you have to hate everybody equally sure that's the key you can if you hate everybody equally people actually respect that if yeah. you decide i'm just gonna hone in on one type of person and hate that type doesn't matter if it's racial religious whatever it might sure. be People aren't going to respect that. You got to hate equally. And you're, what you're out there for is people who respect hatred. That's who you <laughs> want on your side. And there are a lot of people out there like that. There really are. Um, okay. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about a couple of things real quick. I, I so I told you I was going to bother you with draft stuff. Where I've restrained myself a lot, but I want to give you my thoughts on okay. what I think the Seahawks. Our favorite football team is going to do they're, what they're going to do uh, in the draft. Okay, let's hear it. And I want you to give me your feedback. Okay. Because <laughs> I think I think a lot of – every year, like, 
Going back to when they were rumored to be, they were going to draft Michael Crabtree. Everybody knew they were going to draft Michael Crabtree. That was the projected pick on like 85. And I was like, there's no way. Yeah, they never. It's like it's like with sports betting. If 85% of the money is on one team, bet on the other team. Because the public is generally stupid. <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with you, but what I do think is there was no, they were gonna, no way they were going to take a receiver yeah. in the first round. It was like 14th. They weren't going to take a receiver 14th. <clears throat> Similarly, like there's been years where they were going to take, you know, whatever. I think like uh, Marshawn was drafted before them, and maybe they would have drafted him, but uh, the very the media has a very difficult time projecting the Seahawks. The Seahawks drafts. never take who everybody thinks they're going to take, it's- except for Russell Okung, who's this administration's previous highest pick. Yeah, the first the first pick they ever made. Yeah, Charles Cross. Uh, the ninth overall pick. Yeah. It was like the kind of consensus. Yeah. They don't screw up the top ten. It's sure. ten to the end of the first round where things get weird. I think Earl Thomas was 14, I believe. That was a steal. I mean, yeah. Because I remember that draft, everyone thought they were going to take Taylor Mays. Sure. Because he played for Pete Carroll at USC. And I think they wanted, because he's a Seattle Ties guy, they wanted right. him. But they didn't take him. They avoided Taylor Mays and took yeah. Earl Thomas instead and much better pick. Taylor Mays was a bust in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, also, I think that was the Eric Berry draft, which they didn't get a I think they would have taken Eric Berry. Yeah, I think that might have been At least people thought they might take him at six, I believe, is when Okun got taken. Anyway, so the Seahawks, I think they build from the trenches. They've done that. And... Right or wrong, they build from the trenches, right? Like yeah. they've, they've drafted defensive linemen, running backs, which is intensely frustrating, and offensive linemen in the first round, typically. Uh, they've, they drafted Earl Thomas. That's an exception. Who else? Is there another exception in, their, in the first round since they've been? I mean, they've made, like, some of the guys that they've picked that were reaches turned out to be okay. Like, Bruce Irvin's a really good example. He oh, was, like, you the, are on Bruce Irvin's dick, and I'm... He was the first one that everyone was like, this is a reach, and then he ended up, if you go back and look at that draft, he was one of the better picks in the Hold first on. round. Hold let's, on, let's find... Uh, I think that was 2012, maybe? 2011, So, yeah, but the Bruce Irvin one was one where you're like, we talked about this, everybody thought he could be taken in the second round, the or the third, maybe. Yeah. The Seahawks leaked a report that the Jets were going to take him with the next pick. Uh, hold on. Let's see what we can find out. I'm gonna, I want to take a look it's at It's really this. interesting how in one year the narrative on the Seahawks has changed so much. Because last year it was like they have to get this draft right or they could be screwed for the next decade. Sure. They got the draft right. And now it's like if they make the right picks this year, they could be a Super Bowl contender. You know, the sure. way that their team is shaping up. <clears throat> this is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think also they've lived so much off of that. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> off of that. I was, this is why all these, uh, like, pro football reference, baseball reference, I still go to Wikipedia first. Unless you want a specific stat, the I, basic information you need about a player is going to be much easier found on Wikipedia. Yeah, you got all those linked articles. Let's see. It might be an internet uh, connectivity issue right now. Let's searching for Jason Siegel penis broke your computer. <laughs> Way to go! The last thing you did before it went down. All right, let's take. Let's see if we can quickly get there. I just want to see who was drafted. Twenty twelve. So we got twenty twelve. Uh, and it was it the twenty ten draft was their big. Twenty twelve was their big one because the second round was Bobby. The oh, third that's round right. was Russell. So they went Irvin first, 
then Bobby Wagner, then Russell Wilson. It was Cam two thousand eleven? Hit, hit, hit. Yeah, Cam and uh, Sherman were two thousand eleven. But that's a that's a hell. I mean, the twenty twelve draft is like heralded as the one that was the best success and arguably of their first three picks, the least impactful was the first round pick, and he was still really good. Yeah, there's definitely somebody which I could have very easily been wrong, but there was a. I do. I think I kind of like Chandler Jones, to be honest with you. Which he was certainly better than. Yeah, he turned out to be pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. but like, I like if you, David DeCastro a lot too, who was good. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, these are all. Yeah, like, they didn't really. I don't think they had a huge need for that position that year. Um. But, anyway, though, point. The point is, uh. These, these are the guys they draft. Bruce Irvin yeah. is a defensive lineman. They drafted him as a defensive lineman. He was like a mm-hmm. rush linebacker in college, West yeah. Virginia, but he was going to be a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then they've also like, so Jalen Carter, I got I got a little bit schooled on uh, some of the Jason or Jalen Carter stuff because now, because he was involved in that crash, he's probably his draft stock might make him fall to the Seahawks. So Tyree Wilson is a guy that's that's been mocked to them a lot, Texas Tech defensive end. Yeah. Uh, I think what they do with the fifth pick, if they draft a quarterback, yeah, which is also on the table, they went and visited every fucking quarterback in the top four. Yeah, uh, if they draft a quarterback, I think that means this is Pete Carroll's last season. I don't think Pete Carroll's sticking around to develop a quarterback. I I, I would actually except think that, yeah. there's one guy. Okay. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida, yeah, that put up like world beater, all time great combine. He's a combine darling, but an actual gameplay <clears throat> didn't really do a whole lot. Right, and he can be a contributor years one and two. They have Drew Locke re-signed if they wanted to keep three quarterbacks on the roster, and have Richardson be the third string quarterback, but come in and like Taysom Hill packages. Yeah, it's possible. I actually think if they were to draft a quarterback, that would mean Pete Carroll would want to stay for a few more years. Like, I think the 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 contract that they signed Geno Smith to basically allows them the freedom to draft a quarterback without posing a threat to Geno, really, because you you sign Geno Smith for starter money. He's going to start, but it's such a short term contract that it allows you to say, hey, we're going to draft this guy in the first round. And he's, we're just going to sit him for two years. It's going to be yeah. like a college. I mean, Pete has done that a lot over the years. He's run the Seahawks like a college program where if he can help it, you know, unless you're a super impact player, he might kind of treat give you like a redshirt treatment in a way. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like I think that at the quarterback position, drafting fifth overall, I think they're going to draft someone who, contribu- who can contribute this year. So I think like – my favorite quarterback in the class is C.J. Stroud. Yeah, but I don't think he's got a place. He's not going to get a lot of downs yeah. if he gets drafted by Seattle. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone really knows what they're going to do because, well, of course, like we that's said, true. But, but like, they're impossible to predict anyway, <clears throat> and they don't have like some glaring need. The, the, and and their free agency moves have addressed the glaring needs that they yeah, have. Yeah, that's true. They do have. They had glaring needs on the defensive line, and they addressed those. They had glaring needs. At like the in the secondary, linebackers too, yeah, and they, yeah, they got they they brought back Bobby Wagner. They signed a starting safety. They've got a pass rusher. They like the they, they fixed Devin Bush, yeah, who can learn from Bobby Wagner, presumably. Sure. But they they patched up all these big glaring needs that they had, and now they're in this like 
luxurious position of being able to really just, if they keep that pick at five, they can take the best player available on their board, regardless of position. Yeah, and, so Earl and, is the one guy, by the way. That's the exception, yeah. is they took a defensive back who they believed was a special talent. Yeah. I think they're going to take a guy who they think is a special talent. That might mean, because I don't think when they draft Bruce Irvin, they weren't like, this is the... They were like, this is the guy we like the best. But I don't think they're like, this guy has the highest ceiling, yeah, the lowest floor. I think they're like, this is just the guy that grades out the best. Yeah, I think like that Bruce Irvin pick, you know, in the years that followed, they really started doing the trade down thing. Right? Yeah. And I think, I don't know that they ever thought Bruce Irvin was like this amazing right. talent, but I bet they wanted to trade that pick down. And yeah, I think that's probably right. Couldn't do it or like. It just that wasn't something they had, that they hadn't started that trend sure. yet, right? And um, in the years that followed, it's like unless that player is special, and you think you, regardless of where you're at in the first round, if they're not a special player, then you might as well trade down and collect yeah. some more capital. So I still think that that's a real possibility at five. Like if they don't, there's probably when you're the fifth pick overall, there's really probably just a small handful of people that you're looking to pick there, and if they're not there. Or you don't feel good about it, you move out of that pick if you can. Because someone's going to want to come up and take a quarterback if you don't want that pick. Yeah. I think we're going to hear reports that they loved whichever quarterback is expected to fall to them, right? So yeah. if if it's CJ, remember there was a Ryan Tannehill for the, so this in draft. this draft. Yeah, that was the draft, the 2012 draft where people thought, hey, maybe we'll be able to get Tannehill. Like they might have to trade up to yeah. get him. And then they didn't go get him. There were reports. Well, and they had signed Matt Flynn, but there were reports that Pete Carroll was like in love with Ryan Tannehill. And I liked Ryan Tannehill as a prospect. He might have been. Yeah. I mean, it took a while for him to develop, but he got there. Like he's been. But he was never elite, right? He got drafted. He's fine. 11th. Was it 11th? It was pretty high up. Uh, Eighth. Eighth, yeah. So and the and they drafted 15th at a time you thought he was going to fall to him. That's the same as yeah the RG three. And uh, Andrew Luck drafts. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, he had to get picked high because two quarterbacks went one and two. Right. And then all of a sudden it became like, if you don't take this guy now, you'll never get him. Well, that's that's the tough thing to me is like you look at this draft and you're like a guy, Will Levis, uh, Bryce Young. I think you look at those guys and you're like, if I was going to bet who's going to start 100 games in mm-hmm. their career and I had to put $100,000 on it, I'd put it on one of the other three guys. But if it was like, who could come to the Seahawks and make a difference yeah. at quarterback in 2023? It's packages that include Anthony Richardson and, like, you know, whatever. Maybe it's five, six downs a game. And then if he gets hurt, you have Drew Locke on the roster still. I don't think anyone's ever said those words before. Hey. <laughs> hey. Thank God for Drew Locke. Am I right? Thank God for – I saw him rap on the sideline I was in. I was out until I saw him rap on the sideline. I mean, they've done everything right this offseason so far. They've kept the guys that they needed to keep. They brought in guys that filled needs for them. Whatever they do in the draft at this point is kind of like icing on the cake. The fact that they yeah. have two first-round picks is amazing. Uh, I, I really like, as opposed to last year when everyone was super pessimistic about the Seahawks and they surprised you, now it feels like the, it's it's like the 2012 to the 2013 season where the expectations were suddenly raised. You know, the 2012 Seahawks, yeah. they have all these young guys, they make the playoffs kind of out of nowhere, and that following year everyone's thinking Super Bowl and ultimately they get there and win it, which is great. But I think that it's it's a very similar arc to what we have now. 
Right. Like last year was kind of a pleasant surprise, and now you're thinking, well, they didn't really screw anything up this offseason, so yeah. they could easily be in the mix for a Super Bowl if they just, you know, kind of keep this thing rolling. I think a thing that they've done a very good job of, and this they've been unlucky maybe in like from 2012 to to last year basically they had a long like 10 stretch, years. Yeah, a long stretch of bad drafts. Yeah, but they draft elite traits. Yeah. And they, that's I think that this this like uh I think that the that anything that's projecting something other than an elite trait at that number five pick is yeah. wrong. Well, and their biggest thing has always been culture. You know, like most teams that had as bad a stretch of drafts as they had, like they had almost ten years of bad drafts right. after, you know, that twenty twelve class. It it really kind of went downhill. Most teams that had that long of a stretch without a great draft would be terrible. Yeah. Like and and the Seahawks were still making the playoffs way more often than not. And it's because of that culture cuz you know, if you build up something that people want to be a part of, that's when you'll get those free agents to come here. That's when people will yeah. actually want to play for this team and the people you have will buy into that. In a lot of ways, they've been like the opposite of the Mariners, you know. And the Mariners have always had these like good draft picks, presumably like they, you know, on the surface when the picks were made, it didn't look like they blew them. They did everything right. they could. Those guys would become bust. The culture was really bad. People didn't want to come play for the Mariners. Like, it, it's not geography because people want to come play for the Seahawks in the NFL. Yeah, and they don't want to come play for. Yeah, the that Mariners. stretch. There was a stretch after the Super Bowl victory where it was like the Seahawks were the new Patriots. Yeah, and Pete was the new Belichick. Where it was like. Everybody wanted to come play here. They yeah. wanted to come get like have to work hard, yeah, and try to win a Super Bowl. And then they had obviously the year after the Super Bowl, they were like destination number one, I think. And then the way they squandered that so quickly was so frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And but I think this year proves it's back. You know, yeah. they, they they signed these guys. Like I don't think anyone thought they were going to go into free agency and make a big splash, and they did. They did spend a lot of money, though. The thing they were getting in those years was like you'd get like Michael Bennett returning on like a relatively like reasonable a contract. Yeah. And Cliff, when Cliff Averill signed, <clears throat> I think it was two years, fifteen million. I remember going yeah, like, like this is deal. this is like a this is wild. That's yeah. that a very good pass rusher wants to come here for two years at like a reasonable salary, and yeah. now. He hasn't left the city, I don't think. I mean, so many of those guys, they and I'm sure, like, in a lot of ways, I think those guys who are now former Seahawks that still live here kind of are like ambassadors for the yeah. program, whether they know it or not. They might not be actively doing things, but, you know, guys who still play the game know that those guys came here, liked it so much that they stayed here and yeah. they live here. Like, that actually means something to people within that community. I think that might be the only time when Richard Sherman and Jay Buhner share the same role in a community, you know? Um, uh, I keep seeing Jason Siegel penis as one of our... You just left it up there. I know you'll get back to it later. Yeah, after eventually. We wanted to shit on Spokane. Let's shit on Spokane. Why not? Let's start with this. I want to watch the, the last... Oh chunk of the Gonzaga UCLA game because I actually think this was an incredibly smart play by Julian Strother and I want to tell you oh, why this shot. yeah this was an amazing but, you... but I want to tell you I want to okay. hear your basket because I think probably basketball strategy is the best where you like have the best I love basketball I've been watching the tournament non-stop I always watch it did you watch this game when it was live uh no I was this this Gonzaga UCLA game was one of the greatest games greatest basketball games I've ever seen it was literally 
I mean, the entire second half, but really kind of like from almost from the jump in the first half, it had this feeling that like if you did not score on a possession, it was like the end of the world. And oh, it yeah. carried that throughout the entire game, which does not happen very often in a basketball game. It was awesome. So where we pick up here, uh, 12.4 seconds left. Gonzaga's down 75-76. Gonzaga inbound. The offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more. Let's take these ca- closed captions off so we can see the <laughs> get the entire experience. Uh Glass. So we'll left. pause it right here. Nine point eight seconds left. Yeah. Opportunity. Julian Strother takes this like thirty foot three pointer. Yeah, it's deep. It's a good look though. He knew what he was looking for. I mean, this was. I mean, it's funny because the game after this, Gonzaga just gets their doors blown off. Right. <laughs> but this game against UCLA. I mean, I've I watched a lot of UCLA this year. I like watching the Pac-12, and I've obviously watched a lot of Gonzaga too. But I don't like Gonzaga yeah. as a Washington fan. Uh, but this was an amazing. You know, the look itself. He's stepping into it. He's literally straight on. It's a straight on three. Yeah. 30 feet for a guy his size in college and as good of a player he is is not like super deep these days. So he drills it. So the things that I, the thing I think, so he's got 7.2 seconds left, which is important here because the reason I think this is so brilliant is he shoots this three early in the possession. Yeah. So not everybody's set. Guys aren't going to be able to box out. Your chances of getting an offensive rebound. Mm -hmm on a miss are yeah. probably higher here by a significant margin. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, this is, I'm sure they have a, like you can just tell this was a play of some right. sort, you know, the way that he got kind of stepped into that three and the ball was handed off to him. And typically with college teams in this situation, you know, down one with like 10 seconds left, you'll see a point guard or, you know, the, the guy that you want to ISO just kind of dribble it down, you know, take three or four seconds off the clock and then try to create something with six seconds left so that they ultimately get the last shot and the other right. team doesn't have a chance to score. That play fails way more often yeah, than that's it a succeeds. Common, that's a common in the yeah. pros too. Yeah. But this is almost guaranteeing them. because So let's say he misses this. He yeah. made it, which makes it a heroic shot. Yeah. First off, he makes it, they're up. A score, which means UCLA is probably going to try to tie the game, not win the game. Yeah, they're now they're up two. Right. Of, yeah, they were down one. Now they're up two after the three. If he misses, and they get the rebound, they get the opportunity to do that thing to get that final shot yeah. still and and win the game still. So if if he misses, UCLA gets the rebound. Yeah. You foul him. You're essentially in the same position. Yeah, they can tie it up at that point, or yeah. you know, if he, they they theoretically. I guess being up two, you're not going to foul. They, you just kind of have to defend against the three and just hope for the best. Um, but they, what they did is they put all the pressure on the other team. This is not the shitting on Gonzaga and Spokane. I no, no, we're, we're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there because it starts <laughs> out. like the opposite of that. The weekend starts out with this amazing yeah. game, this yeah. amazing finish, all-time great finish. I yeah. thought, like, I watched this and I was just blown away. Yeah. You're like, this is such an incredibly well-coached team and player yeah. it in was, this moment. Yeah. Yeah, it is like I said, it's one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. I don't have a horse in the race, and I don't like Gonzaga. And I don't particularly care if UCLA wins or loses. Uh, But just watching this game, if you happen to – it's one of those games that if you happen to miss it and you really like basketball, like go back and find it and just watch it start to finish because it was dramatic throughout. And that doesn't 
always happen in these types of games. Oh yeah. wow, there's an article about you. Yeah, spokesman review. Well, so so the the, ne- <laughs> the next thing that happens is, and I have it on our on our sheet is, uh, what pops into my feed is Jared Freed, comedian you like a lot. Yeah. I've, I've never I've actually met Jared Freed, but like not like briefly after a show. Yeah, because my buddy was opening for him. Not he would never recognize me. He couldn't pick me out of a lineup. Um, I've never seen him perform. I was just meeting up with a buddy of mine. So, but he's very good. I've seen like clips. Yeah, he's a good performer for sure. So he gets interviewed by this dude, Ed Condren at the Spokesman Review. Yeah. The newspaper in Spokane who does every week does an article about the upcoming headliner at Spokane Comedy Club. Okay. Uh, Jared Freed says that he needs Gonzaga to lose. Yeah. <laughs> for the sake of his show, which is like, like <clears throat> it's very barely, tongue in cheek. It was very tongue in cheek. Of course, barely controversial. Now I'm going to tell my story on this, and then I want to play a clip from Jared Freed because I was also interviewed by Ed Condren. <laughs> we talked for like an hour, and I was like, "He goes, okay, well, I should be good." And I'm like, "What the fuck is he going to publish from this?" Like we just talked. I liked him. He was great. What kind of questions was he asking? <clears throat> I mean, I assume, Dude. I assume his his column, if he's just writing about the headliner at the comedy club, it's pretty much in journalism would be considered throwaway. Not to diminish your role in this, but. Yeah. So I think one, I don't think it's sometimes there's like comedy clubs will have guys go on like local radio, local yeah. TV. Yeah, definitely. That's usually paid for by the, by like, the club, by the club. Yeah. Yeah. This is not that. Ed Condren, by the way, Ed Condren, like, I think wrote for like Rolling Stone. Yeah, there's just not a lot to write about in Spokane. Sure. But he, he was, uh, <laughs> he wrote, wrote for like Deadspin for a long time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> He's like a longtime journalist. God, my voice sounds so fucking bad. He, uh, <laughs> when we get on the call, we're just like talking about my daughter, talking about my wife, like talking about comedy in general. And he's like, like talking about Louis C.K. And I'm like, Let's not use any of that because he interviewed him a bunch of times. He's interviewed yeah. like Carlin. He interviewed like a ton of times, right? Yeah. We get to the end and I'm like, fuck, there's like, I don't know what. So I started just saying stuff. He's like, okay, we're good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, my whole family's been going to Spokane. I've gone to Spokane my whole life because a bunch of my family lives there. Yeah. That wagon's stupid. <laughs> it's like literally a throwaway thing. And he makes that the headline. Of, and then it. There's another quote in That's, there. That just goes to show how boring the rest of the interview must have been. Dude. That your throwaway <sighs> became the, the subject of the article. Yeah. And then it says, what it, it says, Tacoma comedian Casey McLean describes Spokane as a Midwest town trying to be a West Coast city. I stand by that. I think yep. that's a great description of Spokane. I, I, I saw some stuff on Instagram, and Jared said something similar to that. It oh, was, did he? It was similar. It was along those he lines. Stole my fucking line, dude. He might have read that article. Yeah, he's course. reading the no. <laughs> so, oh yeah, so he's. Uh, we'll go down his his Twitter feed a little. He was going off on. Oh no, this is in. Uh, we're gonna play him talking to because this is a very annoying thing. It'll bring it kind of all the way. What's your name, Miss? What's that? Gozags. Gozags. Gozags for Goga. You guys might not speak English here. Is that all you know how to say is go Zags? I'm like, what's your name? Go Zags! What is it, a cult here? What the fuck is going on? You woods people! (laughs) I will. 
I'm sorry, I'm judgmental, Gozigs. Uh, that's your name now, Gozigs. Uh, I thought I was being mean, like, I, Gozags, nice to meet you. That was the whitest shit I've ever fucking done in my life. That was the most white guilt shit. She's like, Gozags. I'm like, okay, don't mess up the ethnic name. <laughs> Gozigs, what a beautiful name. Thank you for coming to my show. I'm happy to have you in our country. He handled that amazingly well. He did. Because you could tell initially he was annoyed. It's one yes. of those, it's, it's like when someone gets you to say Seymour butts, you know, yes. it's along those lines. When I started comedy, a common thing that would happen at comedy shows is if you mention the Seahawks, it's kind of the thing that happens when you mention Trump now, Yeah, is people like, they react either negatively or positively. Yeah. So when you'd, literally I've been at shows where someone mentions the Seahawks and people start a Seahawks chant, and you're like, fuck you. South Sound, man. You got to avoid talking about the Seahawks and the South Sound. It's it's so. I love the Seahawks. I love comedy. <laughs> Don't try to fucking make the show about you, no matter what the thing is. It's so annoying. He's trying to do crowd work for, I'm sure, just to get into a joke. Yeah. And this lady wants so badly to be part of the show. I mean, those. You obviously know better than I do, but there's always one. And you're yeah. never funny. You're right. never funny because no one in the crowd wants to see you. You might get like some sympathy laughs, but really, we're la- we're trying to support the comedian. We're not. Yeah. We're not on your side. Even worse as a comic is when the person actually does crush you. Is it's so <laughs> fucking demoralizing? Because yeah. yeah, he does handle it well, and I agree with you exactly what you said. At the beginning, he's annoyed, but he also knows that everybody else in the crowd also likes the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Also. Can we say go Bulldogs? What's the god? The go Zags. <laughs> the Zags, man. Fuck that. That sucks. The, uh, go his, Seas. His article, you know, basically coming out and saying he wanted them to lose for his show. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, it's like if he's going to sell out the club, yeah. Gonzaga can't be playing. Like he had some idea that Gonzaga was a big thing in Spokane, but I don't think most people outside of the state of Washington sure. understand. That for Spokane, Gonzaga is everything. It's yeah. their college team. It's basically a pro team. Yeah. It's literally, I've never seen a community <clears throat> rally around one college team the way they rally around their basketball team because they don't have football. It's just right. like all this other stuff. They yeah, and they don't love have the Zags. There's no D1 football team in Spokane, which is kind of odd because it is a big yeah. city. Okay. It's as big as Tacoma, where we, I mean, its population is the same as Tacoma. There's a, obviously there's like Washington State, but you're like, it's not only is it the only thing in Spokane, but outside of like universe or uh, Washington State University and like the Idaho Vandals, <laughs> it's the last thing for a while. Like there's no pro team until you get to like Minnesota or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it's a unique bond that they have with their team, which is very respectable. It's just so weird. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's weird. Like, there's a lot of people that live in Seattle that do yeah. not care about the Washington Huskies, and why should right. they? But those same types of people in Spokane, whether they were ever going to go to college or not, still love the Zags. Yeah, that's and uh, in Washington or in Western Washington, you get shit on for not going to UW and rooting for UW, and I feel like there's none of that apprehension in Spokane. At oh, all. in Eastern Washington, everybody is you know m- most of them are Cougar fans, right? But if you're in Spokane or the immediate vicinity, they're all Zags fans. It's like right. you all didn't go there. First of all, it's a private Jesuit school, so yeah. that that in and of itself could add a weird wrinkle. 
Adam Morrison lived in my grandpa's neighborhood, so I should get to claim <laughs> some small percentage of Zag's fandom. Yeah, I mean, I think he handles it well. Uh, I'm not like it is. It's strange, but it's also kind of enviable. Especially, I'm also a Huskies fan. Yeah, and I remember when the Huskies. Is this is my memory of it? And you, I'm sure you remember it better when the Huskies broke off the yearly, yeah, like rivalry game, and you're yeah. like, oh, you guys. Like, the Huskies fucked up. Yeah, I... Okay, I, I think this gets brought up every year around mm-hmm. this time because typically the Husky basketball team sucks. Yeah, and the, but it, it didn't then. Back then it didn't No, suck. no, but now, I mean, people are always asking or wondering why there's a segment of Husky fans that don't like Gonzaga. Now, the, the, the thing I hate about Gonzaga fans in general is that they're like soccer fans where if you don't like their thing... They're mad at you about it. Like, I'm a baseball fan. I know a lot of people think baseball is boring. I see their point, and I'm not going to try to convert them. Sure. You know, if you don't like baseball, that's fine. I don't need you to like baseball to feel good about myself. But Gonzaga Bulldogs fans, if you don't like Gonzaga, they need you to like Gonzaga to feel good about themselves. And I don't know why that is. It's like this weird, like, insecurity about their school or their team. or I don't know what it might be. But you got to look inside yourself and find out why, <laughs> because it's a weird thing. But the reason why Washington fans just don't like him, I mean, that whole that rivalry game getting broken off, it, it there's kind of this weird backstory to it. And I was going to UW at the time, but when Lorenzo Romar and his staff took over at UW, they got busted right away for like illegally recruiting Josh Heitfeld who right. was from one of the podunk cities in Washington, 6'10", yeah. amazing basketball player, ultimately goes to Gonzaga and is a star there uh, for their good teams in the early 2000s. But the Huskies were recruiting him in some way that they shouldn't have, I guess. But to hear the stories told, they were doing what all coaching staffs do, and Gonzaga took exception to the Huskies coming into their side of the state, going right. after a guy that they wanted, and they kind of broke the code, if you will, and got them in trouble. Right. So it kind of sets off this, you know, the Huskies, this is their new regime. They're going to get good in a year or two. But right away, there's a lot of animosity between right. these coaching staffs. And now it spreads to the fans of the team. And it just so happens that the Huskies get really good in a short amount of time under Lorenzo Romar as the Zags are in the middle of their run of being very good. And for, you know, a short time when both programs were competitive, you really hated each other. It's in the last 10 years, things have changed quite a bit because the Huskies have really fallen off. But if you're my age, if you're around my age or older, you probably hate Gonzaga if you're a well, Washington. They kind of Washington kind of double fucked themselves because not only is like not only did they get bad, yeah, but they stopped playing a marquee game. Oh, for sure. And it's also like, by the way, and I, I mean this is like a pretty commonly held thing, I think. But like these Gonzaga teams, it's like hard to not give them high seeds in the tournament. Yeah, but they almost always underperform those seeds, right? Like they're almost always. Yeah. I mean, they typically have underperformed in the tournament. Um, I, there's no denying that they're good. I sure, mean, there's no denying that. And as a basketball fan and a Husky fan, I wish they still played that. Yeah, or I wish they were playing that. But game it was. It would be year. like a winnable. Like a. It would have been a competitive, interesting marquee game, even in the years where you weren't great. Yeah, because there's the the in state rival in state rivalry games. 
you know, even if one team sucks, it gives them that much more motivation right. to win that game, really. Yeah. Uh, it might be the only game they care about all year if, if they really yeah. suck that bad. Well, it's also like the because they play in a smaller conference, you might be the most athletic team yeah. or one of the most athletic teams, whatever their non-conference schedule is, yeah. being the, the driver. So you might, you might have – because those teams are also – the thing they do that's amazing is these aren't like – they're not pulling like Duke recruiting classes. The other teams in the WCC are Gonzaga. No, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is like they're. I mean, they are now, but that's only like in the last five to ten I, years. I, I would let's go see. Let's go see recru- recruiting. Their, their recruiting is pretty good now, but I, I get your point. I mean, a few years ago, it was they were somehow winning with all these guys that didn't look like they should be any good at basketball. Yeah, and they've always done a good job of finding people that were kind of unknown you know like Corey Kispert a few years ago was from the Seattle area went to King's High School and he wasn't like he kind of came out of nowhere and now he's in the NBA you know right. so they do a good job of finding guys but yeah I guess these most recent classes have been pretty good yeah the, good. the last five or so years they've had pretty big recruits they've been keeping up with the Dukes of the world but I mean but even still you're talking about like since 2000 and this is like 24-7 sports, so do with it what you want. But they've had three five-star recruits, and let's see what Duke has done. Because, I I mean, it's got to be. uh, Yeah, it's. it's, I mean, you're like five. You're like, God damn, how many five? Yeah, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. Gonzaga is always going to have a chip on its shoulder. And and I understand why their fans. I'm still scrolling, by the way. Yeah, still five stars. (laughs) I understand why they're. This is fucking crazy. There you go. It stops right there. Good. I mean, it it was fucking. It's a lot of scrolling. Forty-eight five-star recruits in that period of time. Of course, we're sa- we're talking about the last five years. I don't want to try to figure out how to filter this yeah. the, stupid table, but yeah, I mean Duke is kind of like the elite of the elite. But Gonzaga is getting up there. Uh, but they'll always have a chip on their shoulder. They're <laughs> small town. Yeah. Uh, they have, we just talked about how they have nothing else in that town, really. Yeah, they have they, Spokane Comedy Club where I will be May. <laughs> 11th or 13th. Come on out. Me, Harlan Williams, and Adam Tiller. Two sources of entertainment. The Comedy Club and Gonzaga Basketball. And luckily, you'll be going when basketball season is Is, done. I won't have to deal with Gozags, hopefully. You might. Lord willing. (laughs) The Jesuit God willing, whatever that guy is. You know, now that that they're talking about all this expansion in conferences, you know, Gonzaga's name has come up with the Pac-12. It's come up with some of the other conferences that are looking to expand. As much as I hate Gonzaga, I would be fine with them being a basketball team in the Pac-12. I think yeah. it would raise the level for the entire conference. I think we've jumped the shark on traditional conferences to the point where it's yeah. like, who fucking cares anymore? No, now at this point, just collect the best schools. Like yeah. the the fact that San Diego State is you know ninety five percent going to be in the Pac-12, and now they're a Final Four team. Right, like that is amazing timing. Perfect. Yeah. This is exactly what we needed. Yeah, for sure. Okay. What, do we have anything else before? Oh, Lamar Jackson wants to get traded. It's interesting because I'm actually surprised that because uh, I'm trying to think who was the last guy. I mean, the guy I remember the most distinctly is Joey Galloway when the the Cowboys signed him off at the franchise tag yeah. and gave the Seahawks two first round picks. Yeah. Think about what has been given up for quarterbacks, like to trade up for a, a coin flip on. Like RG3, what they gave up for him. Yeah. And, of course, Lamar Jackson also is going to require a lot of money. He's 26 years old. He's already won an MVP. 
It's a weird it's a weird situation, man, that nobody yeah. seems to want him. He's going to be the most expensive quarterback in football. But also, like, he's asking for Deshaun Watson money, essentially, or maybe yeah. a little bit more, with less draft pick compensation, with obviously less reputational damage from bringing him in. Yeah, it's 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 hard to explain because just a year ago the whole Deshaun Watson thing was going down right. and he got a ton of money to go be a quarterback after sitting out for an entire year. Yeah. With all of these legal troubles hovering over him, Lamar Jackson has none of that baggage. Right. And no one seems to want to trade for him. Now and you could you could make the argument that trading for him or any quarterback is so cost prohibitive for the rest of your team that it's not worth it but that hasn't up till this point that's never stopped anybody yeah i mean they did it for like matt stafford yeah uh who was older and i mean i think one thing about lamar jackson that people would be like rightfully worried about is his style of play is Mm -hmm. makes him maybe prone to injury and he's been injured in the last couple years um however it's like I also think people are like very quick to obviously point to racism when it when it's a black collusion. Yeah, collusion. Yeah, I I have a hard time with that argument at the quarterback position in 2023. We're talking like three of the first four and probably four of the first five quarterbacks taken in this draft are going to be black quarterbacks. Uh, a huge percentage. I don't know what the exact percentage is, but like oh the the Seahawks. I mean, if you go down the the rosters, it's like a huge percentage of quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL are black now. Lamar Jackson has been like a thorn in the side of the Ravens. Yeah, I I think the collusion because since this it's been like a month or so of this now where people have been talking about collusion with Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's like I don't think people are talking about it from, like from a race racial perspective. Sure. I think it's more just like the league is colluding against him, so he has to stay with the Ravens, and they can basically underpay him and reset this quarterback well, salary. Yeah, market. I think that. I, I think definitely that's think that's that's. And, and and I think the reason why I wouldn't dismiss collusion is because you've seen all these owners do it with Colin yeah. Kaepernick. Like they clearly got on, away that's with on it. a racial and or that, that, on a racist. Maybe not because he's black, but because of racist reasons, I think. Yeah, or at the very least, you could say political, right? Like but political in— At the very least. And it's wrapped up in racism. His activism sure. is against racism. Right, yes, and and they got away with it. They got away with it. They did have the, to pay him some money, but still, Yeah, yes. I mean, it was a drop in the bucket. They sure. got away—they bla- they effectively blackballed a player from the NFL for doing— what a lot of people would say it's nothing wrong and yeah. probably right about that. Yeah. Uh, and now they're, you know, so to, to think that the NFL owners are not powerful enough to force the quarterback to stay with the team and maybe get underpaid as a result. I, I think they certainly are capable of that. But I also, I, I'm kind of like you where it's like, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I, for, you know, a lot of times with sports teams, guys like this there might be something going on behind the scenes with this person that we know nothing about the public knows nothing about and uh it's like russell wilson the team has done a great job keeping any kind of like culture clashes under wraps right uh maybe that's going on here i'm not saying it is i like how, how would i know but those types of things happen all the time and you know you could also draw on the russell wilson trade from last year which would make teams gun shy, you know? If, sure, if, that's fair. Lamar showed this past year. But he's also 33 or 34 years old. Right, right versus happens. 26. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
but this past year with Lamar was very strange. I think, you know, people thought he was going to play, and then he basically chose to sit out the rest of the year, and no one really knew why. Like, we never, the public never sure. really found out why. Uh, I'm sure people behind the scenes know, and I'm sure people that aren't with the Ravens behind the scenes know. Of course. So there could be a lot more going on there that we don't know about, but. It's yeah. also a guy who is. I don't think playing 16 games is the only thing in the world, but you're a guy who's never played 16 games in a season. Yeah. Who's, I mean, so he technically played, I, guess, I don't even know, maybe he held for some snaps or something. In the, I don't know. It technically says he played 16 games in his rookie season, but. He only started seven. Yeah. I right. think, well, I think they were doing some of those packages. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. Which, yeah. But that's the only season. The point is that's the only season he's played all 16 games since then. You know, the last two years especially, he's only been there for 12 each season. So that's something to worry about for sure. But it not not to this level. I mean, it, you know, that yeah. no one is interested in this guy. I mean, Matt Stafford was like a guy who was a career disappointment, basically. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with the collusion argument is that in any given year, team there's only like a couple teams that need a quarterback, right? Like, there's only like two or three teams that really need a quarterback to the point that they would – give up they would mortgage their future to go get kind of i mean the 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 problem i think with that argument is that like kirk cousins got a fully guaranteed contract like i i think it's it's a year i I totally get what you're saying but it also goes year by year like what's the incentive to trade for a quarterback this year when you have this very quarterback heavy draft you know like there's not a huge incentive to do that when you can get a quarterback on their rookie contract that is capable of starting this year that's not going to cost you Anything yeah. in like trade collateral and barely cost you anything in salary. Like, I get what you're saying. If you're like the Colts, the the Texans, the Panthers, who now traded up, but again, it's like, what is the thing? Is that guy that you're going to give up all that draft capital for is like a coin flip? And Lamar Jackson has proven himself to be a productive NFL quarterback. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think it's not only the the collusion, obviously, being on the salary makes sense, uh, but it's the salary is a part of that, too. The brutal thing about the Percy Harvin trade, for example, was not only do you trade for this guy, you give up all that draft capital, and then you have to pay him market value. Yeah. It's a... It's a huge hit. Well, I think they're like in the NFL in general, there's kind of like this market correction that seems to be occurring. And it like, unfortunately for Lamar, it happened this year. Right. And I think just a lot of the moves of the past few years have made these teams want to correct that market because the trades we all just listed, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, guys like that. that well, the Deshaun Watson one's the crazy. And Deshaun Watson, that's the Browns. <laughs> You know, I understand. Two crazy but... teams, the Browns and the Texans. But no, I agree. But all three of those trades, they they cost the franchises a ton. Yeah. A ton of money. Not just not just trade capital, but you know, salary cap for the future. And that really prohibits them from going out and making the rest of their team better. And if it blows up in your face, like it definitely already has with Russell and the Broncos, mm-hmm. like it kind of has with Matt Stafford and the Rams. I mean, they won a championship, which yeah. is all that really matters. But now this year, everyone's gone. They're yeah. they're starting fresh, basically. And that's kind of a sunk cost into Matt Stafford. You know, yeah. he barely played last year. And who knows what will happen with Deshaun Watson. But it's not like it was that great last year in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he'll probably be better. I, it, yeah, I, it's unfortunate for Lamar Jackson. But it's also like, how are you 
And maybe Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay probably doesn't have the cap space, but who has the cap space? Like you could, if you sign yeah. him to a deal, you can do all the goofy things they do with the cap. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, like I said, I would never put it past the NFL to actually collude. Right. Like I remember when Barry Bonds, uh, people would talk about collusion with Barry Bonds and it was like, this is, this is like, there's no basis for this though. And the baseball right. hasn't shown that they're on the same page with these sorts of things. Whereas yep. the NFL is like NFL owners are a unified front, even though they might bicker amongst each other mm-hmm. about little issues. They seem to always unite on big stuff like Kaepernick and possibly like somebody like Lamar. So I've never put it past them, but I also think that there's a whole lot of reason, especially with the quarterback draft class you have this year to not, trade like if you have to trade up if you're one of those quarterback needy teams that's right now at the back half of the first round you probably feel a lot better about trading up to draft one of those rookie quarterbacks than give up twice as much to go get lamar jackson plus your salary cap issues yeah i mean i I don't know i don't know that it's actually giving up twice as much to get lamar jackson however like i I, anyway no, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's you'd be giving up fair value for that player. Yeah. But the bigger issue is that if you're trading to get a rookie quarterback versus trading to get Lamar, one of them allows you to still build your team up. There certainly has been an increased emphasis on winning while the quarterback's on his rookie deal. So maybe yeah. that's or, I, or finding the diamonds in the rough, like yeah. Gino or like Jared Goff is another good example of that in Detroit yeah. last year. You know, but those guys haven't won Super Bowls. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks yeah. win a Super Bowl on their rookie deal, yeah, and then the team struggles to win when they get their big extension. Yeah, um, you want to play the home run game? I'm ready. This Let's is like it. probably the length. This is like the perfect length of it podcast. Is. The last last week was it was excessive we, last we, week, we, and my we voice really was won. like in. <laughs> We get, That's the, probably why your voice is still shut this yeah. week because we went off the rails last week. We yeah. just kept going. Did we drink last week? No, no we, we actively made a point not to. That's two weeks in a row. Wow, three weeks in a row. Actually. My God, Look what are we're losing our way? Um, okay, I'm gonna hold on. I had it. You want me to go first? I got a guy. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I got a guy for you. Uh, it's opening week which is very exciting in Major League Baseball. The Mariners kick off their season playing Cleveland. So I found uh, a retired Cleveland professional. We've done a lot of Cleveland players. This is good. Yeah, Cleveland guy. But I, I feel like this is one of the most famous Cleveland players of our generation, at least. Okay. Not known for being a home run hitter by any means, but he had a pretty lengthy career. Center fielder, also a point guard from the University of Arizona, oh, Kenny Lofton. You're in my wheelhouse because I genuinely believe. Did you know? So wins above replacement, Kenny Lofton is like, Roughly tied with Ichiro. His war career war is 68. That is a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Ichiro, first ballot Hall of Famer. I believe Kenny Lofton in his first year of eligibility got like 3% of the votes and was not eligible to remain on the ballot. Yeah, the thing that really works against Kenny Lofton is outside of the run that probably you and I best know him for, which was in Cleveland— the end of his career, the last five years of his career, he was everywhere. Right. He was on a different team, two like two teams a season, basically. And he, he's one of those guys that like the recency bias really hurts him because yeah. he, he didn't end so well. But He was also a guy that walked in an era yeah. that didn't appreciate walks. Yeah, and he was a great base dealer. I mean, yeah. everybody remembers him for that. He led the league like five times, I think. He was, And he was a six-time All-Star. From 94 to 99, those were all consecutive. Yeah. 
Kenny Lofton is a guy. And so obviously I'm not looking at his home run column very much. Yeah. But a guy who I think his career is vastly underappreciated. Who? Yeah, he's a victim of the steroid. <clears throat> you know, there's Very a lot true. of those. There's Very a lot true. of victims of the steroid era. But he's certainly one of those because his best years were 94 to 99 in the yeah. middle of the steroid era. But he ended up playing uh, 17 seasons. That's a long time to play. 17 seasons, six-time All-Star. Um, I feel like... It's going to be very hard to be way off because he obviously wasn't a power hitter. Yeah, he's an everyday player, though. You know that, and this was obviously before platoons were really a thing. So he was—they were running yeah. him out there. Can in you center say platoons again? Platoons. Nobody say else word? says it like that. Platoon. Well, there we go. I was gonna let's get a real quick pronunciation guy. You on. want his career batting average? This is probably another thing that hurts him, and it's really stupid. Yeah. Career batting average two ninety nine. Yeah, One point dumb. under where What's his if, career if he on was base? if he was career three hundred he'd probably already be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, his career on base percentage is three seventy two. His career OPS is seven ninety four. You know that's pretty good for a guy who's not a not a power hitter. Platoon. There we go. Platoon. 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 Uh. <laughs> man. Yeah, Kenny Lofton, man. But I don't think he even has like like Ricky Henderson used to hit a lot of home runs. He had a lot of leadoff home runs, like he did. leading he, the he, game Ricky, off. Because Ricky wanted to be a power hitter. Ricky thought he was a power hitter, even if he wasn't. I'm he, going. Wait, before you give the number, can we just talk about this really quick? Uh, do you remember the year? And I, I'm looking at the transaction. Oh, okay. So in '97, he gets traded to Atlanta. You remember that? He gets traded yeah. to Atlanta in 97. He got traded by Cleveland with Alan Embry, a lefty reliever, to the Braves for uh, Marquise Grissom and David Justice. Pretty fair trade. You know, those yeah. guys were both, like, decent hitters. But he becomes a free agent after that season and goes right back to Cleveland. So you kind of forget he wow. was ever there in Atlanta. He was there for one season and then bounced. Right yeah, back. I think I only because of the guys that came back, basically, are the is the reason I remember that. Yeah, um, weird, weird time. Anyway. Let's, okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear this number. So, 17 seasons. I'm going I think I'm going to be high, but my my aim is to not be too far off. Okay. Fuck, now I feel like I am going to be far off though. 37 home runs. Oh, you are far off. Fuck me. What? You, you are almost 100 off. It's no! 130. 130. What's his lead? What's his High home run season. Uh, his high home run season. Let's see. The most he ever hit. He only was in double digits. One, two, Fuck. three. Fuck. This is six. exactly he why was, the game is He was good, in though. double digits seven times. The most he ever hit in a season was 15. I knew as soon as I saw, like, I, I looked him up, and sometimes I'll look guys up, and then I'll be like, ah, it's too easy. I'll yeah. move on. I looked him up, and I, he was the first one I looked up today, and I was like, that's the perfect number. 130. Because you, God. A, a speedy guy like Kenny Lofton, you'd be like, I don't know, maybe 50-ish home runs. He also had, like, no arm strength. No, he had no arm strength. Yeah, he was like a guy he who probably been better should have been playing left field. He could have run the ball in faster than he could throw it <laughs> in, probably. He was truly, like, one of the greatest. Because he, he was also in an era where base stealing was falling out of vogue. Yeah. And was just still a in the, in the 80s everyone was stealing all those bags because they had the cocaine on them yeah that's they would just right. get, they'd get that's on first right. base take a bump and then take second it was great let's bring back those days yeah let's now get that these they have the bigger bases now that <laughs> they have the, just put the cocaine on the bag so when they get there just, the bag on the bag they slide right it. into it yeah that's good <laughs> god that's that's so, yeah, embarrassing sorry you're off by 93 
That's oh a, my god that, that is a rough is one a for brutal. the season standings not good for the old standings absolutely brutal but you have a chance to get me back it could be even worse for me okay a guy who feels like he was a mariner okay and uh you'll know why it feels like he was a mariner uh nicknamed country breakfast is my recollection. Billy Butler? Billy Butler. Billy Butler. Uh, yes, it is Country Breakfast, according yeah. to BaseballReference.com. Played 10 seasons. Uh, Royals and A's. Surprisingly, only a one-time All-Star and won the Silver Slugger. Yeah. Yeah, Royals, Royals A's, and then uh, one season, part of one season, like a probably a deadline deal. Yeah. He played with the Yankees. Oh, I do remember that. That was weird. Yeah. He had to shave and he's got like such a chubby baby face. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, I feel like every picture I've seen of him, it's like they only use the chubby baby face picture. Yeah. So the reason I think he was a Mariner <laughs> is because I conflate him and Mike Sweeney, like former Royals that were Royals like first base low power, yeah. high average. Billy Butler was like one of those guys that. I feel like there was a clamoring among Mariner fans to like get him here somehow yeah. because he's just like he's a stat nerd darling and the Mariners seem to always lead the league in stat nerd fans. No, I actually I don't think he's a stat nerd darling, which has always confused me why the A's traded well, for him. He was like okay, it's probably not like they're not great stats now looking back because of how stats have advanced he didn't walk much but yeah at the time though like in the Moneyball era we had like all sort of mixed them we looked at any fat guy in baseball and we were like (laughs) he must be good he must be good let's go he's better than we think guys yeah and that's exact billy butler seemed like the poster child for that after like guys like kevin euclid and those types and the the greek god of walk yeah (laughs) kevin euclid he's i believe he owns a brewery now it's called the greek Perfect. Greek god of hops. That seems like the perfect career transition for yeah. a guy like that. Yeah. Okay. Billy Butler. Ten seasons, you said? Ten seasons. Uh, that's not very many. Uh, you don't have to tell me this, but I, don't, I assume at least one or two probably weren't even full seasons. And he was probably like... Actually, I mean, he played... His rookie season was about like a, a over half a season slate of games. Okay. And then... Pretty pretty reliably played, yeah. Like a full slate of games, okay. and and then even the last year he didn't play a full slate of games, but he played over half of a. Yeah, I do remember. You know, I've played a lot of fantasy baseball over the years, and he was never in my the recesses of my memory. He was never like a big power hitter, but he was probably hitting anywhere between fifteen and thirty. That's a pretty big window. Uh, if we said twenty a year for nine seasons. That would be 180, right? That so, checks out. so he probably is a little less than that. So I'm going to say 160. Pretty goddamn good. 147. Wow. Which is 13 away. Barely ahead of Kenny Lofton. <laughs> yeah. You can't picture two different body types. <laughs> okay. the, Skinny black guy, giant white guy. Yeah. It looks like. Billy Butler looks like he would commit a hate crime against <laughs> Kenny Lofton, and they hit the same amount of home runs. 
Uh, I want to see them run the bases together next. I don't think they would be together for very long. <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah, I feel like I I had him pegged around like fifteen to twenty most seasons, and then he probably did that for so now the better I, part. I, of those. We'll we'll rule this guy out for future ones, but I want to pull up Mike Sweeney and see how close. So one forty seven. Okay. Mike I feel Sweeney. like these guys are like spiritually the exact well, they, same player. They are similar, but Sweeney had a pretty lengthy career, I feel like. Sweeney played 16 years. Yeah, that's a long time for me. But I bet you, so just bonus doesn't count for the game. What do you think Sweeney hit? 16 years. Yeah, I I feel like at 16 years, and he's, again, not he's kind of like Billy Butler, where I feel like he's probably like a 15 to 20 guy most seasons. So 16, if he was 20 a year, over 16 years. I, I'm going to give you a wild stat. Okay. How, you got to guess this also. How yeah. many more games than Billy Butler do you think Mike Sweeney played? Okay, so he basically had double the length of the career, roughly. Uh, and there's 162. At probably 1,200 more? 40 more. What? Oh, he was injured a lot. Yeah, he was injured a lot in those last years. See, that's the thing. If you're fat, you can't get injured, man. You can't injure fat. You can't pull fat. Yeah. I say that to myself every morning when I look in the... We need more Billy Butlers in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so I don't think he got to the 320 number. That'd be 20 a year over 16 years because some of those later years were not great. But I think he's close because he was definitely. There's probably some years he got around like. I'm 30 upset at the process that exists for this. It's the process is too good. It's a good process. Yeah, yeah. I've I've put a lot of thought into this. So I'm gonna say, I don't know if he got over 300. That's kind of a magic number, and he was very rarely available. Uh, 275. 215. Oh, I was way off. Yeah, that one's. I wish I would have picked. That, but that that all that all comes down to availability. He came up as a catcher, <clears throat> so you know you don't expect a catcher to hit a lot of bombs as it is. Yeah, and then he just get he just got hurt a lot, man. And I'm sure towards the end, what was his what was his season high of home runs? Oh yeah, let's pull it up. Um, it had to be like around thirty. God, it's so wild too. It was twenty nine. He did twenty nine twice in yeah. two thousand and two thousand one. So ninety nine. So ninety eight. He hits eight home runs. Mm-hmm. And I, this is such a Royals stat line. The next, I guarantee you the Royals had a stat of double-digit, guy with double-digit home runs for this stretch of years. Yeah. Uh, 22, 29, 29, 24, 16, 22, and 21. From 99 really to 2005, these are the years where Barry Bonds is yeah. putting out 60, you know. 70. Yes, it's 73. And... It's such like that's exactly a Royals player. It's like when was who most home runs uh, in a season for the Royals? It might be Mike Sweeney with twenty nine. Most ever. It's probably some like obscure like it's probably Jorge Soler. I bet that I bet it is. And it's yeah. like fifty three or something. Oh no, Sal. Yeah, it could be Salvador. Um, oh, they're not going to show you single season. Hold on, either. we can do yeah. this. <laughs> we just got to target this search. If we can find Jason Siegel penis, we can find this. <clears throat> He's not that far off. Uh, John Mayberry. And then, who, father really? of... John Mayberry Jr. Yeah. No, there it is. Number one, Jorge Soler. Oh, yeah, you're right. 48. That, that, yeah. This is, uh, 
I'm blaming this on he did that in 2019, and I had my daughter in 2019, <laughs> and many of the these outside of Mike Moustakis even what, I shouldn't have missed that. So one. Lyric, like he came out of nowhere that year because he was like kind of this uber prospect that like never really put it all together, and then one year he just goes crazy. Yeah, he's probably extended his career by like five to ten years because <laughs> of that because of that one season. Um. Okay. Me. I think that's the end of the podcast. That's it. All right. And now it's intro time.